morning we're continuing with our series, Can You Hear Me? Wow. What a question, right? What a question. We've all asked that question to various people in our lives, maybe your children, right? When they're not doing what you tell them to do, and it's like, can you hear me? Is there there a problem? Is there like something going on? Um, I once had a third baseman that I would yell at him and tell him certain things only to find out he never heard me. I just felt like he was ignoring me. And I said, you're not hearing me? He's like, no. What would you say? I'm like, huh. And that turns out that he had played two years of high school baseball, and it turns out that he wasn't seeing. He could hear me, but he wasn't being honest with me. He was saying, you know, I can't hear you, coach. I can't hear you. And I had signs that I would give infielders, especially on bunt plays. We go to one or two or whatever like that, right? Different plays and I have different signals. It turns out that this guy was playing high school baseball, and he couldn't see five, more than five feet in front of him playing third base. And he goes, Coach, honestly, I can't see the signs. I was like, you can't. I'm, I'm in the dugout. You're at third base. You can't see the signs. No, no. You need to go to the doctor, bro. I said, how do you catch the ball? And he goes, well, I, I pay attention, and like, I, I can see it once it gets like around, you know, 10 feet in front of me. And I'm like, dude, you're playing third base. How, and he was doing well. I was like, it shocked me. He said, yeah, I pick up the ball when it's pretty close. That's why bad hops are a little. And I was like, oh my. He actually went on to play college baseball, second base. We moved, his college coach moved him over. But isn't that amazing that he could hear me, but he couldn't see me? But he was saying that he couldn't hear me. Hmm. That kind of thing started making me think a little bit. I think sometimes we're hearing God better than we're admitting. I think sometimes... The channels of communication between us and God are wide open, and we're hearing quite well. But the problem is what we're seeing in our life, right? I hear you, God. I hear you. I know what I'm supposed to do. I know how I'm supposed to live. I know how I'm supposed to behave and speak. I know I can hear you quite well, God. But yet you're seeing some things in the world that are a little troubling, right? A little troubling. You're seeing some things in your life maybe that you have never seen before or maybe you never anticipated seeing. And what you're seeing in the world from other human beings makes you scared or nervous or apprehensive or maybe even apathetic about doing and living in ways that you have known you have heard from God. So you know God's telling you to do certain things in your life, right? You know. You, you know. I think we know more about God's will than what we're willing to admit. I think if you're like me, sometimes it's not the fact that you don't know what God's will. You're just not sure if it's going to work out the way you like it. Oh, okay. So as we start this second message, I want to talk about our launching points for a second for this whole series. And there's two primary verses of Scripture. One, Proverbs chapter 19, verses tw- verse 20 says, listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. So right away, you and I throughout this whole series, I want to talk to you about this. Listening to advice and accepting instruction. Now, folks, we're, let, let's just admit that as far as our lifetime is concerned, as far as my life is concerned, I've never experienced a time. Maybe you have. Maybe, I, I don't, maybe I'm weird. But for me, I've never experienced a time in my life where listening to advice and accepting instruction is more difficult and challenging. 
Some of you, because of where we find ourselves these days, I've said, hey, you might want to go talk to your doctor about that. How many of us are struggling taking advice from our doctor these days? It's hard, huh? Because maybe you've seen two or three doctors and you're getting all kinds of different opinions. And it's like, what do you do? See, this has been in the church for a long time too because you can go to a church and find various theologies and various ideologies and all those isms that should be wasms, as E.V. Hill used to say, right? And you find a lot of things, you're like, well, what church do I trust? What pastor do I trust? I don't know if I told you this, but a few months ago, my daughter was having this theological issue in her life, and she was, I said, honey, you got to read some books and do some research. And she goes, I know, Dad, but if I read this author, someone's going to say, oh, I guess you're a this or a that. And, oh, you read this author, you're going to get labeled as something else. And so she experienced that whole thing that we have in the church that if you read one author, you're labeled something, right? Or if you go to some church, you're labeled something. And so it's so hard for us to get to a place where we feel confident and sure about the advice and instruction that we're hearing. And so sometimes you and I can become very confused about who actually to listen to because our, the experts in multiple fields seem to be so divided, right? And then in James chapter 1, verse 19, James says this to the church. He says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear and slow to speak. Now there's a good starting point right there. So if you are like me, experiencing a season in your life where you're not sure who to listen to, you're not sure about the advice that you're getting, you're not sure about the instruction that you're getting, is it somehow politically motivated? Is it monetarily motivated? Is, it, it, is there something going on, right? Is there something going on at your workplace? Is there something going on at the college that you might go to? Why are these decisions being made? Are they to save face? Are they to save money? Are they to align certain political things, certain... So we're just kind of at a place where I think it would be extremely wise of all of us, no matter what your belief system is, no matter what your perspective is, for us to take James at his words and say, let's be quick to hear but slow to speak. Let's slow our opinions for just a minute. Let's slow down our thumbs for just a little while. Let's not be so quick to respond. Let's be more apt when somebody asks us a question to say, you know, can I think on that for a day or two and get back to you? Can I pray on that for a little while before we have a deeper conversation? Can we just sit with the question for a little while? Is that, will that be okay? And maybe that's all right for you right now and for me right now. It's to say, I'm not sure what tomorrow brings. I'm not sure what's going to happen in the next few months. We don't know. And so let's just listen. Let's pause. Sit with the question. You know, it's a very healthy thing to do. Sit with a question. Sit with a question and just be patient. Let God work in your life. Let Him position you. Because you know what? Maybe you and I are not really in a position yet that God is going to put us in in the next week or two three or four, and maybe if God told you right now what He's doing in the next month or year or two, maybe you would get all worse kind of confused. And maybe you just need to sit with a question and say, I, I just don't know right now, and that's okay. It's all right not to know. Now, if you're like me, that's very hard. <laughs> I hate not knowing, right? I hate not knowing. And so just sitting with questions and 
learning to slow down and listen. And obviously this morning, we're talking about listening to God. Now, ooh, that's a tough one, isn't it? Because we admit that God speaks through various people in our lives. God speaks to me through you. God speaks to me through my wife, through my children, even my grandkids. <laughs> even people that at first disagree with me. I, you know, how, how, how dare God speak through someone that I don't agree with? So I want to talk to you this morning about listening to God. And I know sometimes when we start talking about the, using these words, God said or God told me, I know a lot of people you want to, you know, tempted to put on the tinfoil hat, right? What do you mean God's talking to you, right? And I know that sometimes saying God told me out in public, even God's people are a little afraid to do that. When we're together and we're in prayer circles and we're in Bible studies or we're preaching a sermon, it's very easy for me and you to sit around with each other and to say, well, God says and God told me and God's leading me and it's easy. But out there, it's a little more challenging, right? Could you walk into the principal's office at your child's school and say, well, you know, we've been praying about this situation and we believe God is telling us to. Even some Christians, we feel a little hesitant to say that. Or if you went to your boss at work and you said, hey, you know, I've been praying about my situation here and I really believe that God has told me it's time for me to move on. Huh. So we feel maybe a little hesitancy sometimes with that. So let's do something for the sake of um, our own sanity this morning. For the rest of this message this morning, let's just be in-house for a minute. Let, let's just be together. Be comfortable. Relax. No one's looking at you like you're wearing a tinfoil hat. No one's looking at you like you've grown a third eye. No one's looking at you like you've lost your mind and you've gone in, into lunacy. No one's, no one's looking at you like that today. We're free. We're amongst each other to say God said, God is leading me. I believe God would have me. I believe I've heard from the Lord. Because I think that that's a skill of a deep relationship, that the deeper your relationship goes with God, the more His voice will become familiar to you. So I want to talk to you about that this morning, and we can kind of state this whole message with this statement. Listening to God requires drawing near and putting to test what we hear, and putting what we hear to the test. Sorry, I didn't say that right, but I believe it's right there. Listening to God requires drawing near and putting what we hear to the test. So, that's what I'm trying to convince you of. You draw near to God. Not take what you're experiencing today in the world with the questions and the anxiety and the, the, the health risk and the, and the confusion and the division. I know a lot of people right now in our culture, a lot of people in the church are distancing themselves from God because of what takes place in the news. I know that a lot of people are distancing themselves from God because they've landed in a hospital or they've had a health crisis or they've lost a loved one and they're distancing themselves from God. That's not going to help. If you're mad at God because you've contracted the COVID virus, drawing, withdrawing from God is not going to help. If you're having division in your marriage and you're thinking, wait a minute, I didn't ask for this, I didn't want this, these problems in my marriage, well then forget God, I'm going to go out and make things even worse. You're having problems at work, unexpected things have come upon you in your life, 
withdrawing from God is not going to help. For those of you that, and that maybe have rejected God in the past or disobeyed God in the past, you probably know what I'm talking about. You can probably stand up here and speak this, this truth and to say that you figured out in life that when trouble strikes and you withdraw from God and you rebel against God, that it just makes things worse. Maybe there's some of you that are watching online that you are not in a church this morning. You have nothing to do with a church today because of a present evil in the world. And you've decided that there cannot be a loving God if there is evil present. Well, if you reject God, your evil still remains. Your problem still goes unsolved. So I encourage all of you to draw near to the Lord during this season and let us draw near to here. The first thing that I want to talk to you about comes out of the book of Ecclesiastes, and it's this, that draw near to hear and don't make promises that you'll never keep. How's that for a January message? <laughs> right? How's that? How, you know, what is it today, the, the 10th and the 9th? What day is it? Anybody know? 9th? How are your New Year's resolutions going? We're nine days in. Did you go to the gym every day? Read your Bible every day? Have you eaten any of that sugar? Ah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. See, I figured if I never start that sugar diet, I'll never fail. So I'm just going to keep eating as much sugar as humanly possible. That's, that's bad advice. Don't do that. <laughs> but let's dive in to Ecclesiastes chapter 5. And let's look right at verse 1. Guard your steps when you go to the house of God. Guard your steps. My goodness. How did you come in today? How'd you come in today? You know, the Jewish people, as they were walking up to the temple, the temple was on a mount. It's called the Temple Mountain. To get there, they had to walk up a hill, and they had certain psalms that were called the Psalms of the Going Up. And they would actually be singing songs on their way so that when they got there, their heart and mind were prepared to enter worship. So what is your drive or walk to church. What, how does that look? Are you preparing your heart to enter a space of worship? How are you walking in the building? How's your attitude walking in? Are you ready to hear God? Are you anticipating hearing from God? Are you anticipating being with God's people? So guard your steps. Be careful about the way that you're going. And the classic joke here is that all fights in the car happen on the way to church, right? You argue with your spouse, your kids act up, you get mad at the people in traffic, and you're on your way to church. I was actually driving from Victorville to Palm Springs to preach one Sunday morning when I was helping that church out there. I was going a little fast on the freeway. The CHP officer didn't approve of how fast I was going, so he decided to pull me over. And as he pulled me over, I said, well, you got me. I was going too fast. I said, you want to hear something funny? And he goes, sure, lay it on me. And he said, well, you just pulled over a preacher on his way to preach God's word. And he goes, oh, great. Why'd you have to tell me that? I said, because I find it funny and you can give me the ticket and I'll confess to the church this morning that I wanted to be with you so bad that I got a, t I got a ticket. That's how bad I want to be with you today. And he goes, well, why did you have to tell me that? I'm scared of God. I can't give a preacher a ticket on a Sunday morning. Have a nice day. And I was like, well, I didn't mean to get out of it. I'll pay it. I even told him. I said, I'll do it. I'm guilty. And he goes, no. He goes, no way. That's bad mojo, man. And he, he said, see you later. He went back in his car. I've since learned that CHP officers don't let anybody offer anything. I know that for a certain fact. Someone that we all know and love got pulled over by one. And he said, would it, would it help if I'm, and he said, no, it didn't help you at all. Oh, everybody gets them. Not the preacher on Sunday morning, praise Jesus. So I was approaching God a little fast, probably endangering myself and others. <laughs> but we need to guard our steps as we go to the house of the Lord. But also, we say in that, in that same verse, 
that we need to draw near to listen is better than to offer the sacrifice of fools for they know for excuse me for they do not know what they are doing is evil now wait a minute i know to come to church and to hear a message and to be with god's people and to hear his word you and i are prompted to make promises to god that prayer time after when we receive communion together and we pray together and I give you a challenge at the end of every message. I know you make promises to God because you're wonderful people and you listen to God's word and you're like, okay, I'm going to apply God's word to my life. I'm going to take this challenge and live it out. Amen. Hallelujah. Monday morning comes around and we don't do it. God just says, then just decide to come to church and not to make any promises. Just listen then. Whoa. <laughs> so it's better better because we're doing evil if we make promises to God and we don't do it. God would rather us just not make the promise. God would rather us just keep our mouths and just listen. And maybe your confession today before the Lord in private as we take communion in just a little while, maybe, maybe your prayer goes something like this, Lord, I don't want to commit the sin of committing myself to something that I'm not going to do, but you're convicting my heart this morning and you're showing me that you love me and you're showing me what you want me to do better but God I don't know if it's in me to do better so I'm praying that your Holy Spirit would create something in me and help me to move forward but I I I just can't simply come out and say Lord I'm gonna promise I will I maybe you just ask for help maybe you just get real honest and say God it's not in me I don't know how many times I've prayed that prayer Lord it's not in me to do well in that area unless you do something in me I'm done and I had to pray that prayer, Susan and I, early in marriage, with our first, her first, our first pregnancy. It was a confusing time for us <laughs> with the pregnancy hormones and that. We didn't quite get like, how we were doing that and how to operate. And I remember praying to God one day, walking in the hallway of our little townhome. We had just had a colorful discussion. <laughs> I, I remember being in the hallway. I believe she was in the bathroom crying because I had probably said something extremely rude and hurtful. And I remember standing in the hallway and I said a prayer. I said, God, I'm too selfish to be a father and a husband. You need to change me. I said, I'm just far too selfish for this. And I know I need to do better. And I know I need to be better. I've got this little wife. She's pregnant. And I said some things that are hurtful. And I just admit to you that I'm just way too selfish for this. You see, when you start praying prayers like that, I didn't pray to, I'm going to do better. I didn't talk through the door, sorry, I'll do better. I just said, uh, unless you do something, I'm a mess. And the Lord began to work in my life and help us out to the point where when our second child, when she got pregnant with our second child, I knew she was pregnant before she did. Because I had done something stupid and she got mad at me where she usually doesn't get mad at me. And I was like, hmm, she's really mad at me for this. Yes, it was stupid, I know. And then she was really mad. And I got her by the shoulders and I said, you're pregnant. And she goes, don't use that for an excuse. You shouldn't have done that. And I said, I know, but you're pregnant. And I gave her a hug instead of acting a fool and arguing back with her. She went to the store and got a pregnancy test and came back and buried her head in my chest because our daughter was four months old <laughs> and she said I am pregnant <laughs> with our little four month old praise the Lord 13 months apart we had those little peoples and uh, 
we did much better our second and third pregnancies, didn't we? Because we figured it out, and God helped us. But we had to listen, and we have to stop making promises to God that we can't keep. We simply need to beg for mercy and help, and He will work in our lives and change us far better than He doesn't want us performing. He doesn't want us looking at Him and saying, I'm going to do better for you. See, that used to be my relationship with God, that He was somehow over here watching me, and I had to perform and do well, or He's going to slap me. Right, because that's the image of God that sometimes we get in America, that, you know, God's up here and He's holy and He's righteous and He's pure and He's angry and He's mean and he's, we're here and we got to do what's right and as soon as we don't, He slaps us and makes us do right and it's like, and meanwhile, God's like, He's not like that. He said, He is holy, He is pure, He is just, He is righteous, He does have wrath within Him, but He moves alongside His people and He said, well, if you would stop making these silly promises and just ask for help, I'll help you. Amen? So moving on in this section of Scripture, we start to notice um, this kind of description of what the fool is. Notice verse 2. Be not rash with your mouth, nor let your heart be hasty to utter a word before God. For God is in heaven and you are on earth, therefore let your words be few. So understand the relation, right? Understand that I'm limited. Now, this isn't as much as a geographic statement. I'm here, you're there. No, what that really is, is a you're on earth, meaning you're, to make something really confusing, very simple, you are limited. You are part of this physical world um, with finite understanding, with limitations physically. We're in the, what you would call the time-space continuum, we're locked in there somehow, and we're human, and we have all this stuff, but God's not part of it, th- that. He, he, he's not stuck by time. God's not stuck in a physical location. God's not limited with finite wisdom. He's infinite in His wisdom. He sees everything very clearly. You know, God sees your past way bigger, way better than you do. He sees your future before you even do. He sees it all but we're like here on earth, we're, we're locked in, we're limited. He's not. So if we're the ones locked in and limited, and he's unlimited, it would be wise for us to stop talking for a while. It would be wiser for us to read the scriptures, close the Bible, and sit in silence and just be for a while. It would be wise of that. It would be wise to turn off a lot of things and just let some silence live in your life. And listen, because we're limited and bound, and he's limitless and unbound so let your words be few it's okay to pray short prayers those might even be the best maybe those one word one word prayers help maybe if the word of god is speaking to your heart today and you simply say help that's your prayer that's a beautiful prayer i think god loves that prayer help you can let your words be that few because it says in verse 3, For a dream comes with much busyness, and a fool's, a fool's voice with many words. That's pretty troubling, right? Especially to a preacher when you look at that. A fool's voice with many words. Okay. Okay. Maybe someone that's extroverted and always talking. Me. Just, shh, shh. <laughs> See, the fool makes a vow to God. He doesn't pay it. Look at verse 4 through seven. When you vow a vow to God, do not delay in paying it, 
for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you vow. It is better that you should not vow than that you should vow and not pay. Let not your mouth lead you into sin, and do not say before the messenger that it, it, it was a mistake. Why should God be angry at your voice and destroy the works of your hands? What an amazing, scary kind of word that is, right? For when dreams increase and words grow many, there's vanity. But God is the one you must fear. So let's keep that in mind as we're listening to all that we're listening to and we're all this volume of words, this immense volume of words that's just flooding your heart and your mind. Slow it all down. Put it away. Be silent for a while. And simply allow the Lord to minister to your heart. I'm not saying totally disengage. I'm saying put it away for a season and pick it back up. I know that social media and the news it has its place. We're even using it right now, right? I mean, this service is being broadcast over YouTube. We're going to share it on Facebook. It'll go to Instagram. It'll go to all these places. I'm not saying, but I'm saying limit it. Use it for what it's worth. The overwhelming volume is going to choke the life out of you. So be careful with that. So moving on then to another passage of Scripture, this one in the New Testament, I want to talk to you for just a brief moment about testing what you hear. Now this is, this is pretty hard. i got some practical advice for you right at the end. But let's dive into this text in 1 John chapter 4, verses 1-4, through 4, where first we notice that liars speak as they are influenced by the father of lies. This is pretty scary. Notice this, what John writes. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now, notice what he's saying, that there are false spirits. So in the spirit world, right, and I know we break out the aluminum, the tinfoil hat again, right? Because when we start talking like this, sometimes we feel a little weird. We sound a little weird. But this book is telling us, notice, he says there are many evil spirits. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. So he's telling us all the false teachers, what is behind a false teacher is a false spirit. What is behind a liar is a lying spirit. You might also know them as demons. So demonic influence causes people to lie. Now I want you to think about that for a second. I want you to really let that seed in. When somebody lies to you, there is a demonic spirit behind that. Think about all the lies that are taking place in our culture today. So would you, would you admit then that there is a spiritual component to what we're dealing with at the beginning of 2022? That every lie that is spoken has a demon behind it? Now you know me, I've been here for six years. I don't believe that there's, every time you sneeze, it's because some sort of demon or something like that, and I, no. I don't believe that you got COVID so somehow the devil's attacking you, no. You live in a human body and we have human issues and you get sick because you're human. It's part of the human experience. Things break, <laughs> pain, all the human experience, you know. But lies are a different sort of thing. 
You see, how can you have a relationship when lies are present? You can't. How can you have a family with lies that are in place? You can't. How can you have a church or a neighborhood or a society or a city or a town or a state or a nation or a world? You can't. And notice what John continues to say. He says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Many false prophets and God out into the world. I want you all to also to consider John 8, 43-45 just for a moment. It says, Why do you not understand what I say? This is Jesus speaking to people that don't understand Him about His identity. Okay? Is it because you cannot bear to hear My Word? See, Jesus is talking to the religious leaders of His day who deny His divinity. And He says, You are of your father the devil, and, you, and your will is to do your father, what your father desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he has nothing to do with the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he's a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you don't believe me. Notice this is heavy stuff that Jesus is putting at the religious leaders. It's like Jesus sat around with a group of pastors, and he said, you, why are you not hearing me? Why, why are you struggling to comprehend what I hear? What I tell you? See, you, you just can't bear it. He said, you, 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 get rid of the Bible. Get rid of prayer. Get rid of religion. You just can't bear it. Why not? Why can't people bear the Scriptures? Why can you talk about anything except Jesus? The minute you bring up Jesus, now, what's going on there? Demonic influence, satanic influence. That's what Jesus says. He says, you can't bear my word because you're really following Satan. Because he's a liar and he speaks out of his own character. He's the father of lies. He gives birth to lies. So where do all lies come from? The devil. You can soften that call to the enemy. Some of you love that word. The devil, Satan. Wow. So every lie is coming from him. You see, and then notice back to 1 John. Now we get even more what some people would say. Those Christians have tinfoil hats on when we start speaking like this. Notice verse 2 back in 1 John 4. says, by this you will know the Spirit of God. So here we go. So he says, test every spirit. Well, how do we do that? Right here, this is going to tell us. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. So that's criteria number one. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and now is in the world already. So who's here right now? The spirit of the Antichrist. What is that? The spirit of the Antichrist is a spiritual force or demonic beings that oppose Jesus. Where are they? Here. Right now. So where are all the lies coming from? Not from God. Who's being rejected? Look at all these lies and look at all this evil and look at all this chaos. 
well, if there's a loving God that exists, there wouldn't be this. So because of all this evil and all these lies and all this chaos and all this division, I give up on Christianity. I walk away. I'm going to live by my own dictates because there's all this going on. Well, let's give credit where credit is due. And let's realize that in the world there are lies, so there must be a liar. Right? (laughs) But there's also love and beauty. There's also people that tell the truth. There are also people of high character. There's a lot of love and beauty in the world, isn't there? An amazing amount. So let's take all the love and all the beauty in the world, give God and God's people credit for that, and let's take all the lies and all the mistruths and all the manipulation and all the evil, and let's give Satan credit for that. And then ask the question, who am I going to follow? Am I going to dive in and lie with everybody else and manipulate and cheat? Am I going to do that? Or am I going to be a part of what makes the world beautiful? Because all the chaos in the world today, boy, we've got some amazing people, right? That have stepped into people's lives, have stepped into the chaos that is this pandemic, this almost two years. What about all these people that are making massive sacrifices? There's beauty, right? People that are caring, working overtime, doing double duty, doing in service all for people because other people are sick and then other people step in and help out. Look at all that beauty, all that amazing. Don't ignore that. There's so many wonderful people doing so many wonderful things in this very chaotic time. So what do we do with this? How do we move forward in testing these spirits? Notice as we pick it up in verse 4. Little children, you are from God. And have overcome them. So here you are, Christian. If you've come into relationship with Jesus Christ, asked His Spirit to infill you, He is enabling you to overcome the lies. You are an overcomer. You can look at the world and say, I'm not going to live by that. I'm not going to live by the lies. I'm not going to live by the manipulation and the chaos. I'm not going to join in and make it worse. I'm an overcomer. I'm a, I'm a victorious person by the person of Jesus Christ and the infilling of the Spirit that I can live above the lies and I can move forward in a way that's truthful, honest, and beautiful. And that's you. You can do that. You have an opportunity. You have an immense opportunity with the worse the liar makes things, the more beautiful the truth teller becomes, and that's you. So when people are hurting and they're lost and they're confused and you have the truth, that's when we understand the Scripture that tells us beautiful are the feet that bring good news, right? That's you. Each and every one of you. So you are these overcomers. Let's press forward. He says, you have overcome Him, for He that is in you is greater than He that is in the world. They are from the world, Therefore, they speak from the world, and the world listens to them. But we are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us. Whoever is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Hmm. So step one, what do you do with Jesus? Step two, what do you do about the truth? That's how we test these things. So very, very kind of, almost to try to simplify this for you, I come with this final challenge, and it's this. Draw near and put what you hear to the test. That's what I want you to do. Turn on Fox News. 
okay, God, I'm, this is what's on the TV, but I need to hear from you. And I need to draw near to you so that I know what to do. I'm going to turn on CNN. God, I'm going to draw near to you. I have to know what's from you. I'm going to the doctor's office now, God. I'm going to draw near to you. I need to hear from you as I hear from the doctor, God. I'm going to church, and there's this preacher there. Not quite sure about him sometimes. God, I need to draw near to you because I need to know what comes out of his mouth is either garbage or worth something to act on. Got to draw near to God. We cannot start our days or finish our days or be in the middle of our days without being close to Jesus and close to God. Or else you and I are very, very susceptible to believing lies because it is hard, isn't it? Some lies look very, very true and some don't. So, how do you do this? I'm going to give you three quick suggestions that are hopeful, pretty simple. Truth will be consistent with the Bible. Okay? Truth will be consistent with the Bible. Now, if you go to buy a car and they tell you the interest rate is this when it's really that, that's not in the Bible, of course. That's not, I'm not saying that. Okay? Truth will also be consistent with God's revealed character. If somebody is acting selfishly and telling you whatever they're telling you from a selfish perspective, is that from the character of God? No, therefore, the selfish person that's telling me something can't be trusted. I cannot trust people that are looking out for their own well-being instead of mine. And if I'm not looking out for your well-being, my advice to you is to be thrown in the trash. Because if I have an agenda... If I have some kind of reason, something I'm up to, and you ask me a question, I'm like, ha-ha. I'm going to give them an answer that will help them do what I want them to do. See, that's manipulation. It's coercion. That's lying. <laughs> if I lead this church in such a way that it's to get you to do what I want, that's being a dictator, a manipulator. It's not being a leader. So, does the character of the person that's giving me the information, line up with the character of God. If not, I'm not going to trust them. And then the third one, truth will stand evidence that is honestly investigated. Hmm, interesting, isn't it? Truth will stand when the evidence, I don't know, the truth will stand evidence that is on. yeah, whatever. Maybe I didn't say that right, but if, if I make a truth claim and I let you search that out, follow the evidence. I'm all for that. I'm all for following the evidence. You might hear it different these days. You might hear follow the science. Okay, then let me see all of it. You see, a researcher with is worth anything. A researcher will show you all of the evidence. Okay? And then a researcher, if you ever read empirical research articles from peer-reviewed journals, okay, when you do that work, when you stop listening to Dr. Google and you go read empirically researched questions published in peer-reviewed journals, you will see something towards the end of those articles 
a lot of times it's called limitations, where they tell you, hey, the results of this study is limited by these things, so be careful with my results. They might also contain some things called biases that a good research article will admit possible biases, that they'll be part of the statement, say, hey, listen, I did this research, but I'm who I am. So there might be some biases in there, so be careful and watch out. See, that's an honest researcher. But someone that's trying to manipulate you will take fancy-sounding words, not admit limitations, not admit biases, not admit shortcomings, and they'll come up with some sort of fancy way to manipulate you to get you to believe what they want to believe. And they will not let you listen to anybody that disagrees with them. A good research article will also contain links or references to other information that's counter to the information that the author is giving you, saying, here's my argument, but here's a counter-argument. See, people that live in the area of truth, we don't mind you listening and hearing people that might think differently. We don't care because we believe that what we have discovered is the actual truth and you can go do your own research and you can listen to people that disagree and you can read other articles and you read everything says we believe so much in the truth that it's as you do the research and follow the evidence that the truth will rise to the top and you will be convinced. But... How much are you hearing today? How much are you hearing today of somebody saying, hey, I think this way, but my friend over here thinks the exact opposite. I'm going to bring him, and you listen to him too, because I really want you to hear the truth, and I really want you to make your own decisions, and I really want you to understand the fullness of the situation. So I'm going to tell you what I think, but then my friend thinks the exact opposite of me, so I want you to listen to him too. How many people are doing that today? I don't hear it. I surely don't hear it in the news media. I'm right and the other person's a moron. The other person's evil. The other person's horrible. The other person is detestable. That's what I hear. So I think that if 